Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, again, you should have picked up a handout on the table or have pulled that down from the website. If you've never pulled one of our handouts down from the website, you'll just go to um, allsaintspres.net and on the, uh, the drop-down menu there, you'll see uh, um, ministries and then Sunday school and then Sunday school handouts. And uh, we leave the handouts up, so when you get to that handouts page, you'll see a lot of handouts. You're looking for the uh, 2024 resource guide. Uh, that'll be our handout for today. Uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, how thankful I am uh, that God has given us Nathan. What a wonderful sermon this morning. I thought that was uh, really well handled, that text. And so uh, I, I know you appreciate him, but, uh, but as a partner in ministry, he's, uh, he's great, and I'm, I'm really thankful for him. Um, also wanted to say, and I wish I had said this during announcements before worship, uh, if in the coming days uh, you have any physical needs that you cannot meet, uh, your heat goes out in your house and you don't know who to call or you, you can't afford to, to call someone uh, to come out and fix that, please do not hesitate to reach out. Uh, if you're a member, you have an elder and a deacon that are responsible for your care, reach out to your elder or your deacon and let them know. Uh, if you're not a member, we would still be happy to do everything that we can to help you. Uh, please reach out to any of our elders, our deacons, or, uh, or myself, uh, Pastor Nathan. Our contacts are all on the back of the order of worship. So if you just take that with you, keep that this week, and if any needs arise, if, uh, if we are able to meet them, we'll do our best. Uh, what we're doing this morning, I didn't want to go back to the book of Hebrews this morning only to take a week off next week to do the state of the church. And I didn't want to do the state of the church this morning because we've got folks out uh, one time for the table leader training uh, with Billy. And so I pushed that off to next week. And what I thought I would do this morning is talk about some resources that are available to us, make some recommendations to you. Uh, and, uh, and so I'll get into those things in just a moment. Let me open us in prayer. Father, thank you so much that you've given us so many ways in which to, uh, to hide your word in our hearts and to be encouraged in our Christian faith in this day and age. Uh, we pray that you would give us wisdom to avail ourselves of these things. Uh, Father, that we would, uh, we would desire that your spirit would grant to us a desire in our hearts for your word that is insatiable that we would love to consume your word, to, uh, to come to know that word better and better, and in so doing, come to know you better and better. We pray that you would do all of these things for our good and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, uh, first of all, uh, a lot of the, the beginning of this, this lesson uh, is, is really focused on podcasts. Uh, I, I have... I'm not new to podcasts, but uh, I am, uh, I'm not an early adopter. Uh, it's, it's only been recently that I've really begun to work podcasts into my daily schedule. What I love about podcasts is that they are free, uh, that you can consume them on your schedule, that, uh, that most of us have some part of our day that is, uh, is spent in sort of mindless tasks driving to work, driving uh, all over the place, kids, whatever, uh, or perhaps you spend time on a treadmill uh, most days. Whatever it is, there are these moments during the day that, uh, that you may not have your hands free, uh, but your mind is not particularly engaged. And we, we naturally fill those things with something whether it's daydreaming or some other media consumption. And what I want to encourage you to do is to consider filling those times as much as possible with, uh, with some means of coming into a greater understanding of the Word, uh, knowledge of that Word, encouragement in that Word. And so to that end, I've got some podcasts to recommend. It's not just podcasts, but, uh, but that's a significant portion of this first part. If you are... Uh, if you have never in your life listened to a podcast and the, the idea is totally confusing to you and foreign, let me encourage you. Uh, I know that not everyone in our congregation owns a smartphone. I think there's like three of you. Uh, if, if you own a smartphone, 
I promise you, you have access to a free app that will allow you to go find podcasts, put them into that app, so that any time those podcasts publish a new episode, it automatically shows up in your app, and you can just listen. I use an app called Overcast. Uh, it, it is a paid app. I think you pay one time, a few dollars for it, uh, but it has some features that I really like. And, uh, and so if you've not done it, I would encourage you to take that giant leap of faith into trying podcasting. Uh, as you know, our church has a podcast that we uh, tongue-in-cheek refer to as Y'all Saints. Uh, we took the fall off in a sense because those of us who record that podcast had some other recording that we needed to do. We put together a membership series for those who are curious about joining the church, what we believe, uh, and what, how we practice. Uh, we also put together a podcast for children, particularly children in worship. Check one. There we go. Okay. So we took the fall off. We, uh, we were planning tomorrow to record the first episode of the spring series. Good chance that's not happening. Uh, but what we're going to do this spring is each episode, we're going to take one of the hymns that we sing. And, uh, and if, if there's a known history to that hymn, you know, the circumstances in which that hymn writer wrote that hymn, we'll tell you about that. But most of the, the focus is going to be on the text itself. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that we love about hymns is that, uh, that the best examples have a rich theology in them, uh, and they often wed that rich theology with a, an expression that, uh, that invites us into an appropriate emotional response to the truths that are contained in those hymns. The difficulty is that those hymns, the, the texts are often framed in language we're not familiar with. Uh, it may use vocabulary we don't use anymore, or use vocabulary in ways we don't use it anymore. The phraseology, in order to get things to fit the rhyme and the meter, may not be the way we normally speak English. And while we sing is often not the best time to try and figure out what we're singing about, right? And so to that end, we're going to take uh, the spring... And we may do this again in the future, but we're definitely going to, to be focused on this in the spring, and we're going, to we're going to take a hymn in each episode and really unpack that hymn. And so I'm excited about that. That'll be our regular podcast. The other thing I wanted to let you guys know about is that our uh, sermons and Sunday school are available on the website, recordings, that you can go to the website and listen to. That used to be available as a podcast. You could go out in your podcast app and search for All Saints Brentwood, and we would pop up, and you could, you know, subscribe to our podcast, and it would feed into your app. Um, something happened on the technical side of things when we started Y'all Saints, and it killed that, uh, that podcast feed, and we couldn't figure out how to get it restarted. And we, at that time, I thought, you know what, we, we've given enough time and attention to trying to figure this out, let's move on. It's available on the website if people want it. But I've, I've circled back around, and I'm ready for us to get this figured out. We're going to try and get that restored so that there will be the Y'all Saints podcast, where we, we do podcast-focused things like hymns, and you should, hopefully soon, we'll let you know when we get it figured out, be able to put the All Saints podcast into your podcast app so that our sermons and lessons are being fed into there as well. There are two other podcasts, uh, three other podcasts, that I would like to get done this spring. Two of them are going to be a, a one-time sort of thing, and then it will be available on an ongoing basis. Uh, but I want to read through the Psalms in 30 days, uh, publishing a new episode every day, 
so that in 30 days we've read all the way through the Psalms. I actually sat down. I ordinarily have done this in my own devotional life, just reading five Psalms a day. Of course, every time you get to Psalm 119, it's uh, it's a, a complete. You know, I mean, you what what normally takes 10 or 15 minutes suddenly becomes a 30-minute exercise. Uh, so I went through this really uh, tedious exercise of trying to figure out. It turns out that, uh, that the Psalms break down into uh, 20, I think it was 20, no, 82 verses if you break it into 30 parts. It's 82 verses per part. So I went through and broke the psalms into roughly 82-verse segments, not dividing any psalms uh, except for Psalm 119. It turns out Psalm 119 is exactly two 88-verse segments, and so we'll do that in two episodes. Anyways, uh, I, I'm excited about that and hope to, to do that this spring. I'll let you know when that gets started. Uh, I want to do the same thing with the Proverbs, where I will read one chapter of the Proverbs and publish that every day for 31 days. Uh, and then those will continue to be available on the website. If you're not familiar with podcasting apps, uh, only new episodes are fed into the app uh, and pop up as new episodes to be listened to. And so once you've listened to an episode, it may remain in the app it's just not going to pop up and say, hey, listen to me, listen to me. You've got to go find it in your app, right? Uh, and so those will be live showing up in your podcast app every day until they're done. And then they will be on our website. I think uh, we're, we're trying to figure out how to host those, whether to host them as separate podcasts or just work them into our regular Y'all Saints podcast or the All Saints. But we'll, we'll let you know more about that as it comes. Uh, and then the last one is uh, I think I want to do a weekly podcast where I read the scripture for the coming Sunday, uh, the morning service at least. And so that would be a podcast where when you start the podcast, you'll hear me read the psalm for the week, the first reading for the week, and the sermon text for the week. Uh, again, the, the objective there is just to give you one more way to, uh, to consume that scripture during the week in anticipation of worship, whether that's for yourself personally and privately or uh, as a family. And so those are some things that we're wanting to do in-house this spring. And again, as those things come to, to fruition, we'll let you know more about them. There are some other things that, uh, that I'm excited about. Crossway, which is a, uh, a major evangelical publisher, uh, has released a ton of podcasts for this year. Uh, one of them uh, that I'm, I'm listening to this one myself every day is Through the New Testament in 90 Days. Uh, and so every 90 days you, you listen to David Cochran Heath reading through the New Testament, and you get all the way through the New Testament every 90 days. Uh, it's published daily, including weekends, and each episode is somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes long. Uh, I'm also listening to uh, this In the Lord I Take Refuge, uh, which are daily devotions through the Psalms. Dane Ortland on what I think is a three-year schedule, a two-year or a three-year schedule. He reads one psalm and then gives you a brief devotional thought on that psalm. Uh, that podcast yesterday's, I think, was three minutes long. Uh, so it's anywhere from kind of three to six or seven minutes, usually right in the five-minute time frame. Uh, one of the pastor theologians in our denomination, uh, Kevin DeYoung, who some of you may be familiar with, published a book a few years ago called The Biggest Story. Uh, and it's a biblical theological telling of something like 142 Bible stories uh, when I say biblical theological, one of the things I mean is the first story starts with creation, and the stories are going to unfold as they unfolded throughout redemptive history. Uh, the other thing is, uh, the other thing we mean by biblical theological is that the stories are going to point us towards Christ and the work of redemption. Uh, it's, it's pitched at a uh, kind of a, an elementary, even maybe lower elementary level. Michael Reeves is the, uh, the one who reads those stories from the biggest story. 
but the stories are also framed by, uh, at least the ones I've listened to, by like a mother-son or mother-daughter having a conversation that leads into Michael Reeves telling the story. Again, each episode's about 10 minutes long, and uh, they come out once a week. Also, if you go to the URL there I put in the last bullet under Crossway, there are another half dozen ways to listen to the Bible. There, uh, there are, I think, two or maybe three different people uh, reading through the McShane Bible reading plan. Uh, there's at least one who's reading just straight through from Genesis to Revelation uh, with the intention of finishing in a year. Uh, you've got um, Kristen Getty, who you may know, uh, she and her husband are part are really the part of the leadership in the modern hymn movement. Uh, they wrote In Christ Alone. She's reading through the Psalms in one of the podcasts. She's also reading through the McShane Bible reading plan in another one. Um, and so just so many opportunities to, uh, to listen to God's Word. If you're not familiar with the Gettys, they're Irish, so you get this wonderful Irish lilt if you listen to Kristen Getty reading through the Bible. Uh, another uh, reliable ministry out there is Ligonier. Ligonier was the ministry started by R.C. Sproul, who you've probably heard of. Uh, though R.C. Sproul has gone on to be with the Lord, Ligonier Ministries is as strong as ever. Uh, they have several podcasts. One I've been listening to is Sinclair Ferguson does about a five-minute devotion uh, each morning, uh, Monday through Friday. It's called Things Unseen. And again, you get the, uh, the, the beautiful Scottish accent uh, of, of Sinclair Ferguson. But uh, Ferguson is a fantastic theologian uh, and, uh, and does such a wonderful job in just a few minutes of pointing us towards important truths. So I would encourage that. Another, and this is not a podcast that's being published currently. It's not even necessarily a podcast. It was originally simply recorded and released on CD. That's how long it's been around. It was released on CD. But you can go to the Ligonier website, and actually what I would encourage you to do is just Google uh, something like Sinclair Ferguson Reads the Shorter Catechism. It will take you straight to this site. It's like the first hit on Google, where you can download for free Ferguson Reading the Shorter Catechism. Each question and answer is a separate file, but the, you'll put them all together in iTunes or whatever music you know, uh, app or software you use, and you can listen to Ferguson. Uh, this, this would be something that might be helpful for you if you are a parent who drives a child or children to school. Uh, of course, helpful to you if you yourself are commuting. Uh, you, because the, the questions and answers are recorded as individual files, you can listen to two or three or four and then just skip back and listen to them again. You can listen to them over and over again. It, it may be in a podcast somewhere, yeah. Um, and, and if someone finds it, by all means, let me know. I, I knew that you could get it this way and didn't even look for it as a podcast. But, uh, but listening through the shorter catechism uh, is itself a fantastic devotional practice and the more you can listen to it, the more likely you are to learn it, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's a good thing as well. Last thing under Ligonier Ministries is Table Talk. Uh, if you are not familiar with it, Table Talk is published as a, uh, a print magazine. It's about this big, and it's, uh, it's daily devotionals. It's published every month, so you get a new one each month that has devotionals for every day in that month. And at the front, before you get to the devotions themselves, uh, there will be a series of maybe half a dozen articles on a theme. Each month is a different theme. So they might do something on, um, uh, you know, union with Christ. How, how is it that we are joined to Christ and have an interest in Him? What are the blessings that come to us because we have union with Christ? And they'll, do, uh, they'll have, you know, six different pastors and theologians write articles that are, are really accessible uh, and, uh, and a, of great benefit. Uh, you can also, they also publish it online. Uh, this is a paid subscription. It's a reasonable cost, 
But uh, if you just Google Table Talk Magazine, you can go to the website there and sign up for those. And so I would encourage you to consider that as an opportunity as well. Let me pause. Any questions? It's all podcasts up to this point for the most part. All good? Okay. I also, uh, I, I'm going to do this every year, uh, and it, it's going to, this year my recommendations are, are very much uh, basic. They're, they're uh, big picture things. Uh, in coming years, I'll, uh, I'll probably recommend more particular works. But the first is in systematic theology. So the, uh, you've, you've heard us say this in different contexts in the ministry here, Pastor Nathan and I both, um, that part of growing in the knowledge of God is growing in an understanding of theology. Uh, theology is not, uh, having been raised as an evangelical myself, I'm all too familiar with the mindset that says theology is something for pastors and, uh, and sort of the, the weekend warriors, people for whom this is a hobby. Uh, if that's your thing, great. Knock yourself out. Uh, if I have a question, I'll ask you. Otherwise, I'm fine. Uh, systematic theology is nothing more than taking the truth God has revealed to us about himself, about us, and about what he's doing in the world. It's taking that truth and organizing it in such a way that we can see how all of it holds together. Uh, I would encourage you, every single Christian household should have one good, single-volume, systematic theology. You can read it from beginning to end like a novel, or you can use it like a reference book. The table of contents will take you through the various headings of theology. If you have a question about the Holy Spirit, there will be a section about the Holy Spirit in that, that systematic theology. If you've got a question about the Trinity, if you've got a question about salvation, a question about the church, a question about the last days when Christ comes again and what eternity looks like, these are all answered in systematic theologies, and some of these systematic theologies are, are spread out over thousands of pages and multiple volumes, but there are some really excellent ones that can be found in a single volume. And I believe in the Reformed faith, within our uh, tradition, for lack of a better word, while we have probably half a dozen excellent single-volume systematic theologies, Probably the one that rises above all of the others is by a theologian that unless you're real, uh, like you were raised in the Reformed tradition, you, you've probably not heard of him. His name is Bavink, Herman Bavink, or Hermann Bavink. He's Dutch, uh, and honestly, if you have heard of a systematic theologian in the Reformed faith, it's probably Burkhoff. Burkhoff's good, but Burkhoff was cribbing Bavink's notes right? Uh, everything Burkhoff knows, he learned from Bavink, and, and for my money, Bavink said it better. Uh, and so I would encourage you to consider uh, saying to yourself, this year, I'm going to work through Bavink's systematic theology. Now, Bavink's th systematic was actually published in four volumes, and a Bavink scholar, a modern Bavink scholar, has gone through and abridged those four volumes into one volume, by all means, if you, if you are really ambitious, go get that four-volume set. It's going to say all the things you find in here, but with a lot more words. It may give you some more texture and all the rest. Uh, if you do that, and I mean this, buy them as a set. You can buy them individually, but the fourth volume can be impossible to find and expensive when you find it. Just go ahead and buy the set, all four of them together. However, for the normal Christian family, this one volume is sufficient. Uh, and Bavink is not only uh, trustworthy, which of course is vital when you're talking about a, a systematic theology, but he is capable of beautiful expression as well. And virtually every theologian that has come along since Bavink is either borrowing from Bavink, within our tradition I mean, or openly quotes Bavink. Uh, and so, best to go to the source, 
Bob Inc. is an excellent systematic. So I would encourage you to consider this year working through Bob Inc.'s reformed uh, dogmatics, his systematic theology. These things will be up on the table after we're done if you want to come up and take a look at them. Uh, the, the next is church history. Uh, this is a, another category that I think uh, too often gets relegated to those who, who enjoy this sort of thing. But it's important for us, the history of the church is our history. It's our story. It's the story of God's work of redemption throughout history. And one of the things we talk about a lot here is the importance of knowing God's promises and knowing God's character. He didn't use that specific language, but Nathan made reference to this this morning. Uh, knowing what it is God has said to us in His Word, both what He's promised and what He's commanded, and knowing that He's a God that keeps His promises. Uh, one of the ways we do this uh, is, is through studying church history. We can actually look back and see God at work. Again, in the future, I may recommend some more particular works on particular par uh, portions of church history or, uh, or maybe particular people in church history. But, uh, but this year, I want to begin by recommending one that if you've been under my ministry for very long, you've heard me recommend before, and that's Church History in Plain Language. This is a single-volume history of the church. The third edition is current, so if, if you uh, can, buy the third edition. Uh, Shelley does a fantastic job. And again, you, it's the, the history of the church is itself one continuous, unbroken narrative. But you can also use a good single-volume history of the church as a sort of encyclopedia. You can dive into whatever period in church history you're interested in. And so again, I would suggest that, that every Christian home should have at least one good single-volume church history. Another one I like to recommend often, uh, and you've heard me probably recommend it in the past, is The Story of Christianity by Gonzalez. Uh, originally published in two volumes, but you can buy it bound as a single volume. That's also a good church history. Uh, I, I've known, I've had friends who prefer Gonzalez. Uh, I prefer Shelley, but both of them are, are excellent. You should have at least one of those at home in your library. Um, so church history in plain language. And then uh, finally, polity. That's really exciting, isn't it? Uh, I, I'm going to have to make an apologetic right now for why you should become familiar with church polity. Uh, church polity is just uh, another word for church government. How is the church governed? Uh, and there are several reasons that you, not an elder, not a deacon, not a staff member or a pastor, nonetheless, you should come to understand church polity. Uh, for starters, it's because you're a part of it, not only sitting under it, but you actually participate in it. Uh, Christ is the head of his church. And, uh, and though there have been debates about this sort of thing throughout history, I, uh, I hold to an understanding of God's word that says he has then, in his word, told us how he governs his church. And that governance comes through the congregation electing elders and deacons to lead and serve the church with the authority that Christ has granted. How do they do that? Uh, every year in October, we invite you to nominate men to serve as elders and deacons. And at a very minimum, you need to know 1 Timothy 3, right, where Paul gives those qualifications. Titus chapter 1. But it's also important that you have an even greater understanding than merely what the minimum qualifications are for an elder or deacon, but to, to really understand the office and what they're called to. You, you, in a sense, have a role to hold accountable those who have been called and installed to serve as elders and deacons in the church. If we are not doing what we're called to do, you have the privilege of, of calling us back to that thing and holding us accountable. But how can you do that if you don't know what it is we're supposed to be doing according to God's Word? You also have certain rights and privileges in the church as members. And for us, as a denomination, you find those things laid out in what's called the Book of Church Order. Uh, 
I did not bring a book of church order with me this morning, but the book of church order not only describes how we're supposed to function, but it describes your place in that system. And you have rights and privileges. Uh, and uh, it's, it's our responsibility as elders in particular to make sure you know what those rights and privileges are. One of the ways I want to encourage you to come to know them is to read the book of church order. However, before you do that, uh, I want to recommend this work on church government, how Jesus runs the church. Uh, it's by a, uh, a professor at RTS. Uh, I think he's still at RTS Jackson, uh, but his name is Guy Waters. Uh, it's an excellent book. It's written for lay people to help them begin to understand how it is that God teaches in his word, Christ rules the church. Uh, it's very practical, very accessible, and if you have uh, very little familiarity with how things function, this is an excellent place to start. Uh, the BCO, the Book of Church Order, uh, exists in print, but we amend it every year. I can't remember the last time we didn't amend the BCO somewhere, somehow. Better than the print version, because you would have to buy a new one every year in order to have the current edition, is the app. There is a free app. You can search PCA, BCO, and that app gets updated every year as we amend the Book of Church Order. And so this is why our Book of Church Order in hard copy is loose leaf, uh, as opposed to our OPC brothers and sisters who publish it glued into the spine, uh, which is fantastic for them. Uh, I'm glad that they have that, that confidence and such an excellent document. We're still trying to get ours right. Uh, and so, uh, how Jesus runs the church uh, for church polity there. I'm going to pause again. Any questions on any of those resources? We, uh, in, in our spiritual lives, coming to worship on Sunday, sitting in Sunday school, uh, these are sort of the logs that get put together to form a log cabin. But your time during the week is like the, the cracks between the logs, Right? Uh, and we want you to be stuffing as much Scripture into those moments as you possibly can. By all means, ideally, sit down and read the Bible daily. Uh, but if you can't do that, or in addition to that, uh, listening online to podcasts and, and other resources that will give you access to God's Word is a fantastic way to be, uh, to be constantly not only getting more of God's Word, but spending more of your time meditating on God and on His Word. Uh, we have, in this day and age, an embarrassment of riches. Okay, uh, I want to finish today, if you'll flip your hand out over. I should have done this at the beginning of Genesis, and I'm committed to doing it now at the beginning of every sermon series with each book that we do, morning and evening. Uh, is uh, I, I want to give you uh, some, some big-picture things to hang on to with each book that we study. Uh, right now, as you know, we're in the book of Genesis, and so if you'll look, the first thing there is an outline. I would encourage you to learn this outline of Genesis. Uh, if, you know, we, we are sometimes, uh, and, and the Jews in the past have been, referred to as a people of the book, uh, God has spoken in creation, and even in, in our own hearts as a part of that creation, us being made in the image of God, having a conscience. Uh, we refer to those things as general revelation. Everyone has access to the ways that God has spoken in general revelation. But Paul tells us in Romans 1 that general revelation is not sufficient to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. No one left to general revelation alone will come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Rather, general revelation teaches us that there is a God, that He's to be worshipped and served. But it does not tell us about Christ. Special revelation is where we learn about Christ, uh, about our particular need of salvation, what God has done to meet that need, and how it is that that, that need is met in Christ. That's special revelation, and for us, special revelation is 100% contained in God's Word. This is today 
the only place that you can go to find special revelation. Uh, the, the necessity of God's word for salvation and for the Christian life suggests that we should be a people who are familiar with it. We, we should have a, a passing knowledge of the contents and, to, to, and where to find particular things in those contents. Yes, uh, so uh, if special revelation is every time God has broken into time and space and revealed some truth, uh, it's clear from Scripture that there were times that he did that that weren't recorded in Scripture. And so we would say that there, uh, as the author of Hebrews says, right, in, in many times, in many ways, God has spoken through the Father's. Uh, and so there, there is a form of special revelation uh, that, uh, that we no longer have access to, but what is needed is recorded in his word, which itself is special revelation. So that's why I say today. Yes, John's gospel, I believe, is the one that ends uh, like that. That's right. Yeah, so, and that's, that's probably the classic text to, to defend what I'm suggesting. Yeah, is, uh, is John saying at the end of his gospel, uh, if we were to record everything Jesus said and did, the whole world couldn't hold the books. So, uh, with that in mind, that's the motivation. Uh, that, that is, uh, that we ought to be a people who then know God's word. Uh, and so to that end, I want to give you some, some basic things that you should know about the book of Genesis, that as a Christian, you should be familiar with. Uh, a lot of this, and in fact, all of it is memorization until we get to the uh, recommended commentaries at the bottom. Knowing a basic outline of the book of Genesis, uh, as you have it here, uh, that it, it opens with creation and then fall, and the first expression of our redemption, that promise of the gospel in Genesis 3, the rest of Genesis from that promise of the gospel in Genesis 3.15 through to the end of the book is, is beginning to unpack the story of redemption, and it does so particularly in the, the, the historical context of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so uh, knowing the general layout of the book of Genesis. Uh, it's, it's a little more difficult to break Genesis 12 through 50 down into uh, an outline based on the, the patriarchs' lives because those lives overlap, right? But, uh, but 12 through 50 takes you from Abraham's call all the way through to uh, Jacob's son, and particularly the story of Joseph and the people of Israel ending up in Egypt during the famine. So... Uh, there are, are a couple of lists in the book of Genesis that it would be helpful to you. It's, we're, we're not merely ticking academic boxes. There's benefit that comes from knowing these things, being familiar with them. One is the days of creation, uh, and the other is the 12 sons of Jacob. Uh, we're, we're given that information very intentionally, uh, and it's helpful for us to be familiar with it and to know it. And then finally, uh, a little more subjective, I've pulled out three passages from the book of Genesis that themselves would be beneficial to you to memorize. Some books are going to have more information on the study guide than others. Uh, Genesis certainly could be much fuller than what I've given you, but I think these are, are the keys and the basics to it. Uh, and then, um, so let me pause there. Any question about the, the choices that, that I've made here? Uh, or any anything else that you would add? Yes. I found it helpful just to know Genesis 15 that I can go there if I'm talking to someone. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It, it doesn't, but one of the things that I could have put in here, and that I, I would encourage you, and maybe you, you write it in by hand, is just to know that in Genesis 12, God promises to make a covenant with Abraham. In Genesis 15, he cuts that covenant with Abraham. And in Genesis 17, 
he gives a sign of that covenant. Uh, you, you should know that basic outline there, all of that unfolding. I've, I've encouraged you to memorize Genesis 12, 1 through 3 as a part of that triptych of, of covenantal actions of God because it's Genesis 12, 1 through 3 that Paul quotes in the New Testament and says the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham, uh, where he explicitly says that it is Christ who is the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham, that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. Christ is that blessing. And so uh, I think it's important that, uh, that we be very familiar with those verses Genesis 12, 1 through 3. But I think it's, it's very important as well that you all be able to say Genesis 12, 15, and 17 are the key passages in Genesis for the Abrahamic covenant. God promises in 12, delivers in 15, and gives a sign in 17. Anything else? Okay, uh, the last thing for Genesis are some recommended commentaries. Uh, if you've heard me do my introduction to Genesis, uh, at least one or two of these was probably there. Uh, commentaries are, uh, they exist on a spectrum if you're not familiar with commentaries. Uh, at one end of the spectrum are the most technical commentaries. The commentator will have a, in this case, a PhD in Old Testament and probably has devoted his entire professional life to studying the book of Genesis. Uh, that is his area of expertise. He knows Hebrew, he knows Greek, he knows Latin, he knows German and French at a minimum. That's like the price of entry to his particular discipline. He assumes you do too. That's a technical commentary, right? He's going to, to quote freely and liberally from German sources and Latin sources and Greek and Hebrew. He's not going to translate it for you. He's going to assume you know how to read those things too. That's the most technical commentary. And he's going to be he or she, because there are, are, are female commentators as well uh, capable of this, that uh, they, they are going to be very focused on questions of the meaning of a specific Hebrew word and the, the particular grammatical construction in this verse and where else we see that construction and therefore what that construction tells us about the author's intent. Uh, they're going to get into cultural backgrounds uh, and all sorts of, of those technical things. Those commentaries have a place, but mostly they are of benefit to those who have been trained at least in Greek and Hebrew so that you, you have access to what they're saying. You understand the grammatical and lexical arguments that they're making. As you slide across that spectrum, uh, you come to slightly less technical ones that will give you all that Greek and Hebrew and Latin and German, but they'll also translate it for you, either in a footnote or right there in the text. They don't assume that you know those languages. Again, focused on lexical issues, focused on grammatical issues. Uh, very helpful. It's, in, it's helpful stuff. Um, one of the difficulties is that the people who tend to do this best are the theological liberals. So their theological conclusions are all wrong, but their understanding of the lexical and grammatical issues are actually pretty good most of the time. They just take that, that raw data and go the wrong direction with it. Uh, you, you continue to, to slide along that spectrum, you'll get uh, commentaries that are, are focused on the details, but you will see no Greek or Hebrew or Latin or German or French anywhere in them. They will make uh, sideways glance, glancing references to some linguistic or grammatical issue. But more and more you're going to see these commentaries uh, focused on application. All the way to the other end of the spectrum where that's all you get is application. These commentaries, in fact, are usually sermons that have been... Uh, written out and published. So especially if you've been uh, around evangelicalism for very long, John MacArthur's commentaries are usually either sermons or all the study that was done in preparation for sermons put together and published. Uh, there was a, a popular, the pastor at 10th Pres in Philadelphia, James Montgomery Boyce, who uh, published many volumes of commentaries. It was his sermons gathered together and published in writing. And so 
you have those. Uh, so with all of that in mind, the, uh, the first one is Genesis by Derek Kidner, K-I-D-N-E-R. It's there on your, your page. Uh, he's an evangelical and an Old Testament scholar. In fact, in the 20th century, he's, he's considered one of the finest Old Testament scholars. I don't agree with everything he says, uh, but he's an excellent scholar. He knows the Old Testament. He knows Hebrew and he knows Genesis. This is uh, a volume in what's called the Tyndall Old Testament Commentary Series, uh, and it's written for lay people. So he's, he's going to be somewhat brief and direct, scholarly, uh, but also draw out the implications. So it's, a, it's also it's accessible, both uh, in terms of price and how it's written. I was looking to see if they put a price on the back of this one. But you probably won't pay... $15 for this commentary. Commentaries, especially the more technical they get, uh, they tend to get more and more expensive as well. Um, this one's on our book table and has been for a while. It's not a commentary, strictly speaking. This is by Martin Lloyd-Jones, who uh, was a, uh, a pastor. He was actually a medical doctor who became a pastor uh, and in his generation is considered one of the finest apologists and, uh, and preachers uh, in the evangelical church. Uh, this is Martin Lloyd-Jones, The Gospel in Genesis. Obviously, in such a thin book, he's not going through Genesis verse by verse, but he is taking major themes from Genesis and showing how Genesis already is anticipating and pointing towards Christ, at times devotional. Uh, and so I would encourage you, if you've not already read this or, or used some of it, uh, that you consider this. And then uh, finally, uh, this is uh, Genesis, another commentary uh, by Kent Hughes. Uh, Kent Hughes, a, uh, a popular current modern uh, pastor and theologian. Uh, this, this commentary is more towards the application into the spectrum. It's not quite uh, a reduction of his sermons into writing. There's more scholarship and effort that's gone into it than that. He's going to explain the text to you and help you apply it uh, more effectively than Kidner, the, the, the other small one that I recommended. Kidner's more explanation, less application. Hughes's less explanation, more application. Uh, often what we find is using commentaries together is uh, of the greatest benefit. And so Hughes is excellent on Genesis. This is part of what's called the Preaching the Word series. And so I would commend that to you. Um, I realized I skipped some things on the first page. Before I come back to them, let me pause and ask any questions about Genesis. Uh, what I plan to do next, I haven't told Pastor Nathan this, so you're finding out before he does. When we're done with Genesis, which of course is is still quite a ways away, uh, we're going to do the Gospel of John. Um, so I'm super excited about that. In the weeks in advance of the Gospel of John, I'll do something like this that I've done for Genesis for the Gospel of John as well. Things for you to know about that Gospel, even memorize about that Gospel, some passages of Scripture to memorize, and some resources to use to, to get to know it better. And so that'll be coming. Okay, really quickly, and then I'm going to close... Uh, looking back up at the All Saints portion at the top of the, the other side of the page, we talked about the podcasts, but I also want to remind you of other things that we're doing in the ministry here at All Saints to help you uh, make the most of our worship together and get the word into your hearts and minds. Uh, first of all is the family worship guide. So whichever one of us is preaching every Sunday in advance of that Sunday, we put together a family worship guide. It's always on a single sheet, one side of a single sheet for the whole week. You can print it out and just leave it at the kitchen table or wherever it is that you gather as a family, hopefully as often as you can. Uh, and it's five days, Monday through Friday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, each take one of the sermon points and from the previous Sunday. Uh, it reminds you of what that point was, gives you one quick thought, and often gives you a prompt for uh, either meditation, if you're by yourself, or discussion, if you're together with a spouse or a spouse and kids. 
Uh, and so you'll do the first point on Monday, second on Tuesday, third on Wednesday. This helps drive the truth you've heard on Sunday more deeply into your heart and mind. Uh, and where on a Sunday morning during the sermon, you don't have the, the, the freedom to, to discuss those things as it's being preached, this is a, uh, a sort of systematic opportunity to prompt that discussion with one another in your household. Uh, the order of worship is also available as a PDF on our website every week in advance. Usually by Tuesday, that order of worship is available on the website. Uh, that order of worship then becomes a, a resource to you to look ahead and anticipate and prepare your hearts to worship on Sunday. It, it actually, it's a, a beautiful PDF that scrolls with all the pages in order and everything. Uh, I'm so thankful that Sarah does that for us. And so you, you can take that and on any device or even print it off, uh, you can have access to the hymns we're going to sing, the passages of scripture we're going to read, uh, even the first and second, the, the first reading and the, the uh, sermon text is in the back of our order of worship every Sunday. It's in that PDF there. Uh, so even if you are like at the grocery store standing in line, you can pull that PDF up on your phone and scroll to the passages that will be read and actually read them. I was going to say it's not just on the website, it's in your inbox in PDF form as well. Yep. Yeah, that's right, which is my last point. Um, and so, <laughs> so it, gracefully ushering us into the end of our lesson here, uh, an email goes out each week. The subject line is this week at All Saints. If you are prone to just, you know, sliding left and deleting that email, I want to encourage you, that email and the prayer email that goes out at the beginning of each week, don't just throw them away, actually uh, read them. Uh, use that prayer email for times of prayer uh, during the week and read that uh, this week at All Saints. Our announcements are in there. Links to the PDF of the Order of Worship are in there. Uh, Sarah even reduces the details of worship into a short list. So you can see at the bottom of that email, the hymns we'll be singing. If you own a copy of the Trinity Hymnal, which is where most of our hymns are found, uh, and if you also own a copy of the Trinity Psalter, then right there you've got 95% of everything we sing on Sunday. Uh, you've actually got the texts for those hymns. So I talked earlier about our podcast uh, covering some hymns this spring so that you can think in advance about the things that we're singing. Another way to do that is to actually pick up the Trinity hymnal every week and look at the hymns we're going to be singing, read those, and meditate on them. Make it a... a, a a moment of prayer in your day to read over those things, meditate on those truths, and pray in thankfulness to God. And so uh, a lot of information uh, available to you on the website throughout the week and in your email inbox to help you prepare for worship and also to reflect on worship after we've been together. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of those things. Uh, we're glad to do those things and glad to expend our time and energy during the week to make them available. Okay, uh, we're out of time, and so uh, let me close this in prayer. Father, thank you so much again for your word. We thank you for the ways in which you feed us, and in this day and age where uh, at times technology can be such a source of temptation uh, and yet is also a source of, uh, of great benefit and blessing to us when used properly. And so I pray that we would be a people who are hungry for your word, and in it as often as we can be. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.